Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. and um, good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and... I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday suck is the WB Club. Wick and Bake Club is with you from 11 to 2, and we're going to be hard-pressed to suck today. Because, hey, look, everybody, look over there. There's Tom Thayer. Hi, Tom. You know, i got to tell you, for months now I drive around on a Saturday afternoon and I listen to the introduction of your show about the suckage program, the stink, stank, stunk, and I always, <laughs> it always makes me laugh. I'm always excited to hear what's on the program. But the introduction or after the show's over, that captures my attention as much as the show, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Yes. Well, we welcome you to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We tell the audience, but you're going to ruin it. And and you bring a, a classy, smart style here, so I'm going to have to redouble my efforts. But I, I did want to say this. At, at the top, I'm really I've, – I've always enjoyed – Talking to you when I was writing and you were available, I love talking to you. You're, you're, you're a terrific resource. And I've said this to other people, and I don't know if listeners will feel the same way, but I think they will. You, um, you're, uh, so I'll say it to you. 
you're you're like Steve Stone and Ron Santo. You're an educational insight analyst, terrific analysis, and it's an incapacitating groans when <laughs> when something happens, you could tell us what happens and then it becomes soul crushing when it works against the bears. And I just love that. I think that's the full package. I wanted you to know that before this thing really ran off the rails. Well, I appreciate that because, you know what, I've been a lifelong Chicagoan, and I've known Ron Sano from the playing field to the broadcast booth, and I feel a lot of Ron Sano in me when I am watching the Bears game or I see something that I can pre-see going wrong on the field, and I, I feel what Ron Fano what Ron Sano felt about the Chicago Cubs. And then on the other side of it, to me, Steve Stone is the best broadcaster I've listened to. He's taught me as much about baseball from a pitcher's point of view than anybody that that I've ever listened to. And listen, man, I love all the, the Cubs broadcasters and everything that is included when I watch those guys. But for some reason, because... I'm a novice baseball fan. I enjoy watching the sport, but I don't know a lot about the intricacies of the game. Steve Stone, you know, he teaches some incredible stuff. And, um, and I learn something every time I watch a game with him broadcasting. He's Tom Thayer. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Tom's in for Mark Rohde. Mark Rohde will, of course, be our guest on, one of our guests on today's show because that's the way Saturday Suckage works. And then Grody will have his own show later on in the afternoon from 3 to 6.15, or maybe earlier than 3 or later than 6.15 because it was built around the Cubs, and they're not playing because they got canceled because the cardinal way is to jeopardize an entire baseball season with, a, with some reported stupidity. So to update you on where we are on a local baseball teams, the Cubs aren't playing this weekend. They'll play simulated games. They're back in Chicago. They'll have a workout today. They reportedly will have a simulated game tomorrow. At, at Wrigley, so you, you have your simulated cheers and hopes and thrills, and then they'll see as they get ready to move on to the next series, if that's even going to be played. The Cardinals' next series scheduled to be against Pittsburgh. That's reported to be in jeopardy. Meanwhile, the White Sox did a terrific job on the Indians. They were facing a team. They got enough runs against a team with great pitching, and they got... Great pitching themselves. Dylan Cease, five innings, shutout baseball with some terrific defense behind him. Um, and got a couple runs. They beat him 2 nothing. They needed to win that game. Today was going to be dicey, and they're starting a guy who's never started a game at any level of pro baseball. And Sunday night, they're going to be facing Shane Bieber. We're all believers. Everyone's a believer because he struck out 27 players in his first two starts. So it needed to happen. But when baseball gets starts canceling series like this, and you wonder how they're, you look at how they're handling the pandemic. Tom, you're intimately involved with the Bears and the way the NFL is trying to, I, I don't know if they're doing it too arrogantly or if they're doing it with the best possible scientific information melding with what the coaches think they have to do to teach their players and they can't get them on the field. How do you think football is going to handle it based on what you've seen with baseball? Because the regular seasons are the problem. We've seen the NBA and the NHL handle playoff bubbles. How do you think this is going to go for your beloved football? 
Well, you know, listening to the press conference yesterday with Danny Trevathan, he addressed that situation in terms of it's going to be about what the guys do outside of the facility. And so if they can control themselves, if they can practice self-discipline like never before, if they can keep themselves, even though they're not in a bubble, if they can keep themselves inside their own bubble, it has a chance of working out. And, okay, so my examples is you've seen what the NBA is able to do inside of the bubble. Now I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the next week or so because as you watch the Blackhawks play last night, you know, Hockey has as a physical approach to the sport as football does. They got bodies in close proximities. They got sweat flying on each other. They got guys in a headlock to conclude the game last night and everybody jumping in on it. So if they can protect and provide a safe, safe atmosphere in the hockey industry, I think football is capable of doing it. But like I said, it's going to take extreme safety measures once these guys are able to get in their own car and leave the facility parking lot. That's when it'll dictate the fate of football, I think, at that point. Let me, let me go over a couple things that, would, that, that happened in and around the NFL with players opting out and players being tested. Charles Tillman, Peanut, said he, he tweeted out he received an email from the NFL saying that he had a drug test coming up. He tweeted out, y'all know I'm retired, right? I'll take it if y'all give me five more years of health insurance. (laughs) So here's the NFL in charge of your health for the most dangerous plague visited upon humanity in, in our lifetime in this civilization in the last century. And they think Peanut Tillman has to go for a drug test. And then you have the, equi- the, the clueless Deion Sanders tweeting out, all players opting out in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. This is a business, and don't you ever forget that. There's no one that's bigger than the game itself. Only the refs, umps, and officials are that important that you can't play without them, not you. I don't believe I've ever heard any player opt out, have anything to reference or go near the idea that the game won't survive without me. It's not about shutting down the game. It's about trying to live, trying to survive. The NFL is a death machine at its best. I mean, as it is. And now you're talking about a killer virus that has taken 160,000 lives in this country. Dion's an idiot. Tom, with all this going on, would you opt out? Yes or no, why or why not? Um, there's not a chance that I would opt out. Um, okay, why? And I, I think when, when, I, okay, when I read the statements about Deion Sanders, you know, it's a guy giving an opinion on a Twitter that is a, just an opinion because it doesn't factor in his career at all because his career is over. If I was coming into the league and the guys in front of me at my position were opting out, I would be happy about it. Because I think when you start trying to make a roster, you become selfish and you're only concerned about yourself. Mm-hmm. Number two is I never grew up in an atmosphere that had the luxury to make any decisions that weren't financially concerned. 
Steve, my dad worked 43 years for Commonwealth Edison, climbing electric poles outdoors every day of his life for 43 years. And when the conditions started to get at its worst, that's when he got called out and had to go work in the worst of conditions with lightning bolts flying around him. And he never turned it down. So the influence of the importance of my dad providing for our family, um, which was the most important thing, you know, was one of the most important things that he took into account. And that's kind of the way I was raised. Um, it's the, it's the same thing is when you're, you have a career and you're playing and then all of a sudden they draft a player that's coming, they draft a player in your position behind you. It's not your goal to get him ready. It's not your obligation to get him prepared to play. Again, you start thinking selfishly more about yourself, about your career and about your future. You have such a limited time to play sports and to be successful at them and trying to gain some financial grounds on a life that you've never known before because you were never raised around it. So I think that is a lot of the influencing factor in the decisions that a lot of that a lot or some of these guys are making. It's the same guy that's opting out because he doesn't think he's going to make the roster, but he can guarantee himself a little bit of money instead of getting cut in three weeks. So I, I do think there's a lot of different ways guys go about making decisions. And for me, it would be um, selfish for me because I was just trying to make financial gains in my lifetime. So there's a lot of different ways you have to think about it. But I do know as a young man, um, I would not opt out. I would play. And it's the same thing of when my USFL career, this, the last game was over, I got in my car and I drove directly to training camp in Platteville, Wisconsin from a Saturday night game to a Monday morning start of training camp. And, you know, I never thought about opting out or taking a year off. I was excited and inspired to get to training camp and trying to reprove myself. That was a whole. I can't imagine you go walking up to Dick and can I can I get some personal time, Mike? I can't imagine that in the mid '80s. I know why you drove to training camp. What was and and what was Ditka's? What would Ditka's of response have been? Well, get this is Ditka's response. The very first team meeting when because the first week that we are there, it was just for rookies and injured vets. And then the next week, all of the veterans came in and that was the first team meeting in front of everybody. And as we sat in that team meeting, there was no Todd Bell. There was no Al Harris because they were holding out. Mike Ditka looked at that group of men and said, men, I don't care about who's not here. I'm willing to go to bat with who is here. And I think that sent the message of the same thing. If I would have asked Mike Ditka for, hey, I need some time off because I just got done playing, he'd say, hey, take the year off. I got enough guys here that can fill the void. So um, in terms of, you know, he didn't, he wasn't sympathetic towards any of us. But again, we're not talking about a pandemic. We're talking about the business decisions of contract holdouts or the preparedness uh, of yourself getting ready to start camp. So how did I, I know what those camps were like? They loved the Oklahoma drill. They loved the, they were hitting, 
there there were two days and they were hitting both day both both sessions and there was an awful lot of that. So, what was that like? And you're dealing with the 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 physicality of it and the desire to be there and the work ethic you talked about from your father. How how are you able to manage that and survive that? Because essentially you're going 12 straight months with football. <laughs> um, I always kept Chicago and my family in the back of my mind because when I signed in the USFL, I signed in the USFL specifically to stay in Chicago. I was a member of the Chicago Blitz, and then our franchise uh, changed uh, locations, changed venues. The Chicago owner came, brought his Arizona team to Chicago, and the Arizona owner brought his team to Chicago. They gave me the option of staying in Chicago with the Chicago Blitz, but then I got to understand what George Allen was about, and I wanted to play on that team because we were an NFL-prepared team at the time. But Ultimately, in the back of my mind, it was always being the most prepared I could be once my time with the Bears came. Uh, at that time, once they drafted you, the, you they had your rights for four years. I signed a three-year contract in the USFL. And throughout that time, when I was with George Allen, he often talked to me about he wanted to get me prepared to be ready when I went to the Bears. And when he coached for the Bears and he was good friends with George Hallis, George really loved the Bears and what they stood for, George Hallis and all that. But I think it was like a vote of confidence for himself if he could prepare me to be ready day, day one when I got to the Bears. Well, he was the right guy to do it. He, he certainly was. He was, he was um, manic and focused and knowledgeable, smart <laughs> man all the way around. Um, he's Tom Thayer. He's in for Mark Grody, who's in for Matt Spiegel, who was in for Mike Esposito, who was in for Jordan <laughs> Burnfield, who was in for, we're all in for Brian Peruk. And we'll be on the score today till 2. Our guest today at noon, James Nouveau of NBC5, he will be here to talk Blackhawks. They move into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Everybody thought these were the playoffs. Nope, this was the play-in and we'll discuss how they got there against Connor McJesus and Dreisaitl, and now they're moving on to face the winner of today's game between Vegas and Colorado. We'll talk with him at noon. 12.40, Matty Lee of NBC Sports Chicago. We will talk some Cubs baseball. There's no Cubs baseball. We're going to talk Cubs baseball with Matty Lee. And at 1.20, Mark Grody, our Bears reporter, who used to be on this show. It's not his show, but he's on this show. He'll be on the show at 120, and then he'll have his own show on this radio station later on at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Some other news. The Big Ten presidents are meeting today. There is momentum for canceling the Big Ten fall season. It's a bad look when you're going to have a lot of, a lot of schools demanding or, or limiting students to remote learning only, and now you've got football players on campus that we know – we know college sports is a big money grab. Maybe it's too obvious for some universities. The MAC has canceled its football schedule completely, up and down. It's over. There's no MAC football. What do you think, Tom? Did you expect this? Are you surprised? Are you expecting the Big Ten to cancel too? 
Unfortunately, I am, and I hate saying it because I've been the eternal optimist about sports being played. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you've uh, – you know, my brother Rick down here coaches high school football, and they pulled the, the IHSA pulled the plug on that, and they tried to reorganize it for the spring. And I just think it, when you get mass quantities of young kids that may challenge their discipline and their social habits even more, it would it would be tough to pull off. So I, I want I want to be wrong here. I want them to be able to be able to play because if they do play and they do it safely maybe that sets a good example for the rest of the country and the rest of the world however i think when you put these kids in such close proximities to each other you uh, you know you're not completely aware of what they're doing in the downtime or how close they are to other people i I think it'd be a, a tough task to pull off so again i'm hoping for the best and as you just described i'm kind of thinking the worst have you given your your ties to the sanctimonious hucksters at notre dame um where where are they with with sort of an acc allegiance with certainly the the biggest football name going or certainly in the in the the top five um no matter how they do where where is notre dame in its decision making that you know of and what would you expect the uh, irish to do this fall well, obviously they want some attachment to football because they kind of jumped on the ACC bandwagon. To me, mm-hmm. I never liked that. I don't think they belong in the ACC. If the Big Ten was going to try to pull off a season, it would be the greatest opportunity to try to get you know Notre Dame not into the Big Ten for the rest of history for, but just something that could have they could have pulled off this year. When I went to Notre Dame, our first three games were Michigan, Purdue, and Michigan State, and we bust to all those games. So it wasn't the the worrisome portion of the travel part of it because you could buy more buses and you could spread these guys out. But to me, since I've been a kid and watching the Big Ten and then going to Notre Dame, I kind of always wish that Notre Dame would be a part of the Big Ten because I think it would make recruiting more interesting and just the close proximity of the schools would be, I, I think, beneficial to limit the travel the travel part. It's our money and you can't have it. There's your there's the Notre Dame football and they've got <laughs> <laughs> they put themselves in position to do it. I remember Bino Cook talking one time and talking to I can't remember the name of the Notre Dame. An old-time uh, sports information director, and just ragging on the guy for, you know, the the four horsemen of the, of the apocalypse, and uh, an outline against a blue-gray October sky. And he says it's so. Bino says it's so corny. It's so it's so horrible. It was written by Damon Damon Runyon in 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 1920, and it's just an awful thing. And the Notre Dame's SID turns to him and goes, but how do you like it for longevity? And that's really what it is. There's Notre Dame's legacy right there. It lasts and lasts. And Saturday Suckage lasts and lasts. That's Tom Thayer. He's in. He's lending unfortunate style and substance to this, so I'll have to change that. We, um, we will take a break from broadcasting from our individual Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And when we come back, we will talk some Bears because that's what Tom does. And there's a, a host of offensive and defensive questions 
that I have for our Bears analyst. So we'll do that after after this break. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Tom Thayer. Saturday Suckage for you, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm not really a fan of the preseason as well so i mean i, I mean I'm, I'm okay with it um i probably wouldn't have played as much or i would probably been smart about it but um but for the young guys, it's good for sure to go out there and see how well they can put it in a game setting and um, exec- execute their calls and play against somebody else that's been learning this well. And so um, I feel like it is what it is, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I feel like it's a good call in my, in my opinion. That's Danny Gervaisen on a Zoom call, and I assumed he was in his garage and he was around the workbench and just banging on stuff while he's answering questions. And he and Roquan Smith will be the center of your linebacker crew. There are big hopes for Roquan Smith. We're talking Bears football here on Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum and Tom Thayer. That's who's sitting over there in place of Mark Grody. Mark will be on... As a guest at 120, he'll have his own show at 3, 3 to 6.15. We'll continue on. So Tom Warren Sharp of the Sharp Football site, I don't know if you're familiar with it, had made the point recently, teams that win the turnover battle and get a return TV, TD are 91-9-1 and one the last two years. The Bears went 12-4 and four when they had six defensive TDs in 2018, they went 8-8 eight and eight when they had just one. And central to that 
was Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson was had a Mark Carrier-like be, beginning to his career, and and he was all about scoring. And then suddenly he's put in a different spot, and now Chuck Pagano is saying, well, we're going to find a place for him to be more productive. What happened in Eddie Jackson's time with the Bears, and why wasn't he more productive last year? You know, first of all, you, you had the injury to Danny Trevathan. You had an injury to Roquan Smith. When Akeem uh, Hicks got hurt, it just contr- it changed the, how aggressive you could be at the line of scrimmage or even when you're going through the game planning process. If you have Khalil Mack and what you hoped you were going to get out of Leonard Floyd, you got in there Akeem Hicks with the rest of the interior, the defensive linemen, no matter who you have in there, and then you have the speed of Roquan and Danny Trevathan, it gives you a chance to be a little bit more aggressive up front and take chances at the safety position. Then all of a sudden you'll, you lose Akeem, you're not stopping the run, and you're not getting successful pass rushes against the opponent. So now you got to put Eddie Jackson in a role where he's the last line of defense. He's not getting beat, you know, the deepest of the deepest. He's not having a chance to undercut routes like he did the year before. So I think that Chuck Pagano learning what his defense could do with the talent he had, you know, it was it was big changes for both when you look um, what, jeez, uh, I can't believe I can't even think of his name, the head coach for Denver now uh, that was the defensive coordinator. You know, it's different. Yes, Fangio. It's a different. Welcome, in the... welcome to my world, Tom, where you can't remember names and your right. and your neurotransmitters turn to meringue. It's my world. It's, but I, I just think there's a whole, um, you know, aggressive control that you lost when you you had those injuries, and so that's one of the things I think should be upgraded this year. If you got Danny on the field, you get Roquan Smith to take that next step. Robert Quinn's going to give you a, a completely different rush side over there than what Leonard Floyd wasn't giving you. So um, I think the turnover opportunities will increase if they're able to keep all these guys on the field. However, the offense has a certain obligation to this also. They have to have time on the field they have to have scoring opportunities they have to have a more efficient running game so the defense time off the field is they're resting it's not a three and out type of uh, offensive unit that gets them back on the field in less than a minute of real playing time so I think all those things you have to take into account but health of all defensive players will help, I think, Chuck Pagano be more aggressive and turn Eddie Jackson back to what he was two years ago. Well, what you're saying, your point is, with with the people you were talking about, presuming they come back, and including Akeem Hicks, and maybe most importantly Akeem Hicks, because it it's that's that's where it starts, the, the pressure, the idea of pressure, the game planning, and everybody becomes, it radiates, it ripples out to become more effective, and Chuck Pagano really has a different defense than the one he had last year. Oh, completely. You know, you can just just think of second and third down if Akeem Hicks is in the lineup on first down. Because Akeem Hicks is a a special interest defensive lineman when the offensive lineman is preparing to play against him. Similar to if we are getting ready to play against Reggie White. 
there's a certain amount of paranoia that he puts in the game planning. So if Akeem Hicks is on the field for every first down and a team wants to run it, he can limit the run lanes, he can limit the running target. And if he can put the Bears into a second and long and a third and long scenario, then all of a sudden you look at Khalil Mack and you look at Robert Quinn, you look at the interior blitz opportunities, and then, you know, if you can get Akeem on the field or back on the field for a third down, then you're giving these guys a a big advantage. So as much as we want to talk about turnovers and sacks, they better keep their frame of mind of making sure that they're a run-stopping football team um, and they do that equally as well. Well, that brings me to the big hole in the middle of that defense then, and that that hole is the opt-out of Eddie Goldman. And he was... um, Appreciated here, not so much around the league, not noticed as much around the league, but central to other players being able to, whether it's whether it's blitz or whether he's stopping the run or he's occupying a second blocker, he's making things easier, better for his teammates. The way I've, I've kind of looked at what is what does each player do, how does that make the guys around them better based on what, other teams either game plan or what he's able to do and, and maybe surprise. So what is the Eddie Goldman ripple effect? How will the Bears, I don't want to say cover it up, how will they, how will they, how resourceful can they be in making up for his absence? Well, you know, the thing about it is, Rosie, is, you know, you got to look at the personnel groupings and what they're trying to do against you. If there's a team out there within the division that is just running the ball so well, then you're going to be more in a standard defense, and Eddie Goldman is going to be that guy over the center trying to occupy a guard and a center to allow the linebackers to have more freedom laterally and or attacking the line of scrimmage. So if Eddie Goldman is in there for every first down and every, you know, if, it, if they're lucky enough to have a second and short or a third and short and they're in that standard defense, you got John Jenkins who can fill in and probably immediately take 15 of those reps and play that as a high level. I, do, I think there's an underappreciation for a guy like Abdullah Anderson who plays hard, who's a big, thick body, who's strong at the point of attack, and he's he is a a well-conditioned athlete. They have Urban in there. They got Blau Nichols. They got Roy Robertson Harris, who's got to take another step forward in his career. He can't just be the same player that he's been the last couple years. He has to start playing according to his size and an athleticism. So they have enough bodies to go in there and fill the void of Eddie Goldman. And it can even be different styles of defense. Rather than calling yourself a 3-4 defense where, you, you know, it's that old you know, standard number that used rarely do you mm-hmm. use it anymore. It's you have four down linemen of sub type Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and then the rest of the guys I mentioned. They have the capabilities and to play them equally as well if Eddie Goldman is in there or not. I feel really bad for him that he had to make this decision because this hopefully would be another step forward in his, in his career. But, um, I think they got the personnel, and there's probably a guy in this roster that we don't even know his name yet, but he may open some eyes during the course of the full pad practices they will have. 
He's Tom Thayer. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage on the Score. We thank you for joining us. Tom's in for Mark Grody. Grody will be here at 120. We will talk more bears. You know what? I didn't want to. I um, I missed the opportunity last segment. You mentioned your brother Rick. Now he's the good Thayer. He's the <laughs> one who brought us lunch. Me and Espo did. We're doing a show at a Sears and Joliet, and we were we were tipped off about the. The, the the Thayer family deli and Mama Thayer's chicken noodle soup. And Rick delivered lunch to us. Not you, Tom. Rick delivered lunch to us. <laughs> you could learn a lesson from from your brother. I know you learned lessons from your father. Rick is Rick, he's the good Thayer. I just wanted that to be on the record. And, well, I, um, you know, I call I call Rick the most well-known man in the Tri-County area because <laughs> he, he he is he is Will County's friend and um so I mean um yeah, his you know, his work ethic working alongside my mom. My mom passed away last year, so he's been running the show ever since and um yeah, I wish I had half the personality Rick does. But uh, you know, someone's got to hold down the fort and he's doing a great job of it. And I've already had chicken noodle soup today. I gotta say. Oh my god, the Mama Thayer's recipe is outstanding. We were tipped off to that by Bear Fan Bob, who always brings gifts whenever he'd show up to the remotes. Back when we could do remotes, and and we started talking about it, and Rick heard it, said, "Well, I thought I better show up here." Mama Thayer's recipe is priceless. That that should be in production somewhere. Well, That's wonderful. You know, to to tell you a funny story, and you know, I I think of my mom and dad so fondly and I said they both passed away within the last year but I was sitting in the hospital with my mom and she was trying to tell me how to pick out the right chickens for chicken noodle soup (laughs) as she was laying in the hospital you know before she was passing when I just mom please don't think about that but you know um, we've had a workforce for a long time over there and every one of them where it was taught by my mom how to make the chicken noodle soup, and um, it's it's been great ever since. And I'm glad that the work staff was able to learn it like my mom made it for the 59 years I've been alive. We wait. We can't stop there. We need, you know, as we as we pivot to being user friendly here and people stuck inside, they'll need to pick out chickens themselves. So what were some of the highlights of your mom's tips for picking out the right chicken? <laughs> Mama Thayer's right chicken tips. She said, I want when you're going and buying chickens, I want you to look for the chickens with the big legs because they have a lot of flavor and a lot of taste and they're you know, they're more mature chickens and I and after, you know, she's telling me to look at the chicken legs before I'm picking out raw chickens that I'm saying, "Mom, come on, let's let's talk about something else." And but now she just she wanted to pass along hints and clues to everybody and just how important it was and that was the way her mind was running to the minute she passed away was how could she help somebody else and you know that's that's the way i was raised i well it's good stuff that's good stuff the soup and and mom's legacy and she's talking about how to pick up pick out a good chicken god bless (laughs) love that woman Uh, i want to thank the tech zone um, for responding. Our tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. 
I said Damon run in earlier when talking about outlined against a blue gray of October sky. Yes, it was Grantland Rice. Thank you, 630 texter. And uh, to the 219 texter and 815, 219 says, can't fully suck with Tom there. Tom does not suck. <laughs> and the 815 sex texter says, by the way, you should have had a pre-show disclaimer stating that due to the presence of one Tom Thayer, today's broadcast will not suck. Well, look, we did. We put it out on the tweeter machine. We said it when we came on the air. I expected to have to redouble my efforts. Look, it's all out there. You people suck for not listening. So you're right with the program. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tom mentioned something earlier about helping the defense. And we're going to discuss that after this. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Tom Thayer, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Everyone's different. So uh, you try to come in a couple pounds more than what you uh, would like to be. Uh, in a sense, but uh, I just feel like uh, it's just me. Just ha- I just have a chip on my shoulder, so it's just more so m- myself, just knowing what I need to do to uh, make myself the best uh, possible player I need to be. So regardless if that's coming in each and every day, uh, well, what it is coming in each and every day and busting my tail and uh, really not taking no for uh, for an answer and just doing whatever it takes. That's Roquan Smith. Bears linebacker, and if it's about, you know, coming in with a couple extra pounds, I'm going to be an all-pro. That's the way that's going to go. He's talking about coming in, coming back, coming back strong. And Chuck Pagano, everybody likes what they see. they got to keep him on the field, and, and he'll just keep getting better. And one way to make him better is if he doesn't have to be on the field, as Tom Thayer, my co-host today, mentioned, give the defense more than a minute to – to to sit and rest. I can't wait till Pagano goes full buddy Ryan, Tom, and just starts slugging the offensive coordinator, in this case the head coach, for not running the ball. But that's kind of what you were talking about, right? You need to give the defense a chance to to rest, to be better, hold on to the ball, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, Roquan Smith said he's he, he reported the camp at 234 pounds, and I think he can hold every bit of that. He runs as well as any linebacker in the league, but it is about being on the field, but being on the field fresh. And um, I, I do think that one of the reasons that the Bears brought in Juan Castillo is that when Matt can look, Juan Castillo can look into the eyes of Matt Nagy because they've had the experiences before. And if you're an offensive line coach, you want to run the ball every single play. So if they're getting out of the rhythm of running, not running the ball enough, that's kind of exhausting the defense, I think maybe he's got a coach that can reel them back in a little bit and say, hey, Matt, listen, we need to have a heavy concentration of running the ball for this next couple series to keep the defense off the field. And then again, you talk about what it can do for the defense. Is it can get it can give them life. It could give them the ferociousness at the line of scrimmage that the Bears are accustomed to seeing throughout the history of the team. But uniquely enough, when you're talking about the weapons that you can put in motion, Roquan being one of them, shoot! If you get if you put a fresh defense on the field because of the time-consuming offense, you're gonna. Give you, you're going to increase significantly the percentage chances of you of you winning these games, especially early in the season. I, I think one of the things that gets lost in in all of the 85 Bears discussions and and throughout the, the mid 80s is that the offensive line you were a part of and the 
the offensive attack you were a part of, you led the league in, in time of possession. You ran the ball. You held on to the ball. You gave that aggressive attacking defense a chance to rest and destroy people. And that's an underrated part of what you and the offensive line, what Walter, what the running backs could do, what the coaches understood. You had the ball, and then all of a sudden, McMichael and <laughs> and Danimal and, and those guys were just going to tear people up because they were rusted, which is a... Not a not a revolutionary and novel idea, but it's ultra important that your coach, that the new coach, who has no use for the running game, actually make use of a guy like David Montgomery for whom they traded up. How does that change, Tom? Well, you know, it's teaching a new dog a new trick. And I'm talking about Matt Nagy really being the young head coach in the NFL. But even though as much as he's enamored with throwing the ball, I think he's got to understand that um, – that running the ball is is the key to success in so many different ways. If you run the ball effectively, you change the way your opponent's defense is thinking about you. If you run the ball efficiently, then all of a sudden it opens up, which the offensive linemen like the best, efficient and effective play-action passing. And then when you get yourself in that third down scenario, that's an obvious passing situation. You have the weapons that you can complement. Then it's about the pass-protecting offensive line, which they're good at. But it does come down to making sure that you have that running game that the opponent has to respect every down and distance. And I do think that David Montgomery is a three-down back. If you want to keep him in there to run the ball, he can do that, and he can um, uh, break contact at the line of scrimmage. If you want him to be the primary receiver in a route called out of the huddle, he has those that ability. But if you want him to be there and be in a blitz pickup um, requirement obligation, he's got the willingness to do that. So the key there is is David Montgomery being able to do everything and not have to supplement him in giving a clue to the, the opponent's defense. And But it is that mentality, hey, if we got to go out there and have double-digit drives of 10 10 plus plays to give our defensive arrest in a majority of those plays are going to be run plays that's the you know that's the discipline that Matt has to learn as as well as every offensive line coach wants to do the offensive line coach Juan Castillo that you mentioned the new offensive line coach taking over for Harry Heastan had mentioned today Brad Biggs wrote about the offensive line today Chicago Tribune it's online chicagotribune.com backslash sports about giving his guys a rule. Players know the rules without looking at all the fronts. So share with the class, explain to the class what Juan Castillo is saying and what Bears players are going to be expected. What are the rules? The, the rules are, you know, you always look at where your defensive lineman, your linebacker is in front of you. Is he shaded to an outside eye, an inside eye, head up, or where he is? That is is kind of where you initially look. However, in Coach Castillo's teachings is your hands are matched up with your feet. So when you're going back and you're going through the evaluation process, watching it on tape, you can see, okay, I got two steps and now I have to punch according to where the defensive lineman is in front of me. So now if you go back and you're watching that tape 
in the offensive lineman's taking one step and punching or three steps and then trying to punch. Three steps, you're too late. One step, you're too early. No, this is non-negotiable. Two steps, punch. And so it's really relatable in terms of how to coach off of a tape, off of a film after practice. And because offensive line is so repetitiously learned, you can go out in the field and you can put that one player through the same process five or six times right after each other so it becomes more habit-forming. And one thing Juan talked about when he was initially introduced to us at the podium was a lot like Coach Stanfeld, Dick Stanfeld, my offensive line coach, would like to do, get out to practice a little bit early. Let's work on these fundamentals so they become habit-forming. And so that's the way that we learned things back in the 80s, and it's the same way that you can learn things here in the 2000s. Yeah, I think that's we'll, we'll get back to that. I think that's 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 a good explanation. Now, now people understand what's going on, and now it's a matter of how they can teach and what they can learn. And I think what we 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 we've learned that there's actual sports excitement in Chicago. The Cubs were off to a great start until the cardinal way of screwing up a baseball season got in the way. The White Sox are still they they are in the running, but there is a playoff team in Chicago for the first time in a couple years and for the Blackhawks the first time since 2017 they will enter the Stanley Cup playoffs we will talk about that with James Novell, part of the Madhouse podcast with Jay Zawoski also at NBC5 Chicago Hawks moving on they'll face the winner of Vegas Colorado we'll discuss how they got past McJesus and on to the into the playoffs next Thayer and Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.